Hey guys, welcome to the Wild Weird. I am here with my guest, Jacuzzi Jefferson, music producer, artist, member of the band Pool Cosby. Um, hey man, I appreciate you coming on and speaking with me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey man, I, I felt like this is kind of like some higher power brought us together because like I came across your music on Bandcamp and uh my friend introduced me to Bandcamp. I wasn't really too familiar with it. I got a lot of my music either on Spotify, Apple Music, or um, <clears throat> what I had, like one of my friends would suggest me on Instagram and just go look up. And I was listening to, I, I believe it was the, at the Planetarium EP. And one thing I really enjoyed about your music is that I really, I feel like you draw a lot from like New York jazz and kind of bring in blues, soul, and then you have other EPs, I believe uh, there's one that's a slightly more tropical, it's like a tropical theme, and it seems very club poolside <laughs> kind of music. And like you had Nelly's Hot in here and there with like, uh, God, I think an Usher song that followed right after it. And I was like, this guy can do everything. And <laughs> I felt like you drew, like, what was your inspirations for those? Like what kind of draws you to inspire you to make your music? Yeah, but I think that that's part of the, the like the freedom of being sample based, you know, it's like if you want a project that cuts up jazz records, then that project sounds jazzy, you know, and then by like an extension, people maybe kind of lump you in with that. And then, you know, you could do a house record, hip hop record, like Afrobeat, like whatever it is, um, you know, you have a little more freedom, you know, rather than if I was like a strictly guitarist, you know, maybe there's there's less options in terms of of how far you can spread. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's easy when the first step is start with other people's music, you know, or like found sounds or something like that. And I feel like the the like coming from that, like those those individuals' music's got to inspire you. Like you probably got into that as a child or a teenager. So it's like it's come from a personal interest. And one thing I've really enjoyed about New York music is that in an era where um, a lot of music is you know very digital. And there's something about New York, like with its artistry, artists, comedians, um, musicians, like it seems very authentic and it, and very real and very emotion based. And it doesn't seem like it's ever wavered from that. You know, like I've never been to New York. Me and my wife are actually planning on going there this springtime, uh, 2023. And we're going to stop in New Hampshire, visit my in-laws uh, who live in uh, New Ipswich, New Hampshire, out in the mountains. And cool. we're going to spend like a weekend in New York. And I've always just really like, you know, I started off as a kid listening to like Wu-Tang. Uh, I believe they're from um, not Long Island, Staten Island. They're mostly Staten Island, yeah. Staten Island. Um, you know, Ghostface, Killer, all of them, Red Man, Method Man, RZA, oh, yeah. Um And I then, mean, you know. Off the top. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like the other ones, the very obscure ones. That, the, uh, those are the first ones that popped in my head. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like. Dipset, Cameron, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and then I noticed that you actually collabed with Joel Santana. Um, I did some some engineering stuff. Um, so like maybe about ten years ago, I was um, engineering, assistant engineering, and got to put a bunch of cool names on my on my resume. You know, so like Fifty and Joels and um, Trey Songs and just like a bunch of cool people, like anyone who'd come through um uh, that's super yeah awesome. in terms of collabs like like so pool did a record with raekwon which was cool it was just like as a big wu-tang fan and 
Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I don't have any official announcements yet, but I maybe or maybe don't have another member of Wu Tang on the next album. Wow. Uh, yeah, somebody you just named, but you know, got to <laughs> You got to keep so, it. Discreet. So like that, that kind of stuff. And yeah, and I think like even though it's like a lot of internet reaching out to people for collabs, like I do feel like I gravitate towards a lot of New York artists, even if we're not you know meeting in person or like for whatever reason. So yeah, I don't I don't know what it is to your um to your point what it is about New York music, but something cool about it. There's but yeah, and I hope I hope you guys end up making that trip. Oh, dude, I definitely will. I mean, you know, I've I've been to L.A. A, uh, twice uh, as a kid, so I didn't really get to do any like adult festivities. It was like walking the city with my parents, going to like, uh, I believe, Magic Mountain, doing that whole vacation gig. But um, New York, I look forward to it. I mean, I, I it's a very big place, so I don't I'm assu- I don't think I'll be able to see a lot of it in a, like a weekend. But mm-hmm. I hope to like I'm a huge comedy fan, so I hope to go check out like the Comedy Cellar and cool. Hopefully there'll be like comedians there, like Mark Norman, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Robert Kelly, some of the New York comedians, and right. And sometimes it'll just like pop, like Dave Vitale will pop in, or like yeah, we saw. Um, this was probably also ten years ago. Hannibal Burris used to do this show at the Knitting Factory. It was just like a free show, and like uh, Chris Rock popped in, and you know, so like I do feel like it's a place where some pretty big people will just practice. It's just like full you know, of surprises, so. man. Like you can go there to see, you know, a either an opening comic or a local comic. And then all of a sudden your ticket might have cost you twenty dollars. And then all of a sudden Chappelle shows up and yeah. you're like and you're like, I can only imagine being like super drunk. And just like all of a sudden <laughs> Dave Chappelle walks in, they announce right, it or right. Jerry Seinfeld or something, you know, and right. you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I mean, like just that kind of cultural history of like, you can go to places like, and for what I've heard, like people casually come across like famous people in New York and it's not like a big deal. I feel like in LA, they probably like, yo, you know, snap picture, get a selfie where it's usually like New York's such a busy place. It seems like, and everybody's like, so on the go, it's probably like, Hey, and then keep walking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I used to like, I used to see Alec Baldwin around and it's like, you don't want to be like, Hey, what's up? So you just like do like the, either the, the head not down, you know, for respect or the head not up as like a, what's up? Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing where it's like, you don't want to not acknowledge that, you know, you see somebody cool, but you don't want to make a big deal about it. See, and that's like, and the more like, fortunately with the podcast, it's brought me like, it's brought me together with like a lot of interesting people and it make, I have to try very hard not to fanboy out. Like even talking to you, I'm like, okay, let, like let's try not to fanboy out a little bit. You really enjoy his music. Let's, let's oh, have a man, conversation. Oh man, I appreciate that. No, uh, anytime, dude. But I mean, like, it's like that when you're walking through the street. It's like they're people. You want to be able to say hi and what's up and show them. You're kind of like the head nod. Head nod is a symbol of respect. Of like, hey, I acknowledge you. I've seen your stuff. But it's like you'd also know that, like, hey, you know, I can't. You got stuff you got to do. I got stuff I got to do. Yeah. And you got to pass your Bible. Okay. Like that. I feel like that's just like more of a sign of respect than, hey, let's stop what you're doing um, to get an obligated selfie or to do that whole thing. And oh man, I, I definitely played it not cool like more than a handful of times. So <laughs> I'm not trying to come off as like I'm always. It's hard though, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like it's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, dude, like, I, I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Like the fact that you've got to like interact with these people, express your creativity with them, and kind of collab and um, work on things with these people. Like, I can only imagine how exciting that was. Do you do you remember like the first like 
studio session or collaboration or just moment where you felt like, oh, this is big and I'm excited for this? Um, yeah, but you know, so I was coming from like a engineering background first, audio engineer. Um, and they really kind of hammer in like, be cool. You know, like number one, be cool. Number two, like no Pro Tools. You know, number three, like wear deodorant. They like those like the oh, big be a things. professional because it's yeah. a job. It's your job, you know. You know, so it's like um, I, I was pretty much like unfazed by most big people that would come through. Um, I do. You I seem will like say, you like, have a really chill attitude. I can see you're just very kind of like laid back and very process of. Yeah, very- usually that's my demeanor. I I will say though, the first time Raekwon came through to the studio, I was still an intern, so I was like answering the the phones and the door and. Um, and you know, you got to buzz in and I, so I don't, something that happened that he was in without buzzing. It's like, I wasn't even expecting. And I just looked up and saw, you know, Raekwon and I was just like, Oh, oh uh, uh, are you here for the session? And I was just like, <laughs> that's that's so awesome. like, yeah, no, what else is he here to do? Um, but other than that, I tried to keep my cool, but there's times where like, you know, um, I went in to assist on this thing. It was like Kendrick, big crit, smoke Dizza, J rock. And like Ryan Leslie was there, Shaw Money wow. was there, just like a million people just like chilling. Um, but my, you know, the training is to be cool, you know, and like you don't ask for a picture, you don't like don't do any of that stuff. So uh once I kind of got into production and then had the opportunity to like work on my own stuff with, you know, some cool people, I, I think it um it helped with not with being a little less starstruck, you know. Oh, dude, like I like. I uh, can't remember the title of the song, but the song you did with Cool AD, like uh-huh. the fact that you got to work with Cool AD, man. Like, man, we've done a bunch now. He, you know what? I think he was like one of the turning points because um, before that pool, mostly we just did our own things or sampled stuff. And at some point, I just like, for whatever reason, just like had the audacity to like email him. You know, like I don't know you, you don't know me, but like, would you want to hop on this thing? Um, and then when he said yes, it's it just like opened up like oh shit well like can I hit up Esquire you know and and he said yes yeah man. can I hit up Raekwon he said yes and like Denisha and Adri- uh, Adrian Linker and like all these people who are like like I have no business hitting up you know what I mean just like but that's that's the cool thing though I feel like it, and especially in New York where everything seems like from what I've heard is like you got to prove yourself right you got to mm-hmm. put in the work. It's all about being, it's about aspiring to be the best, but being respectful and people seem to pay respects pretty equally. So it's like when you approach these people and you're like, oh, I, I don't think I have the nerve to do this. I don't know if I should ask them. And then they're going to look up your stuff or whatever work you've done and listen to it like, oh, I like this. And then that itself proved your work to them. And they're going to be like, I want to work with this guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I've never God, I've never gone into a studio with Raekwon or any any of these like legends. But like I went through the same exact thing starting with the podcast because I was like, OK, it started off like a year ago when I started just talking with my friends. And I'm like just random BS, just casual conversation it went nowhere. It's just us sitting around with a microphone recording conversation. And I was kind of kind of, I was kind of intimidated because I was like, there are people I want to talk to. I just want to learn from people. Like the most interesting thing to me is learning why people do things like what, like what inspires them, what they're passionate about um, and what they love. And a lot of that is represented and present in 
whatever art expression they do, whether it's painting, um, graphic design, music, um, acting, performing, anything. And I was so scared to even hit, like write anybody a DM on Instagram, just say, hey, if you're ever interested, because I'm like, who am I to ask? I didn't have a following at the time. Um, I didn't feel like I was even deserving of it. And I was like, you know what? The only way I'm going to learn what I want to learn and to uh, have these conversations is to just ask. Because the worst thing anybody's going to say is no, or they're not going to write back. Yeah. And everybody is very pleasant. Like everybody I've written is like, and like, I'm genuine fans of them. Like I'm a genuine fan of you. Like I, I, I'm really new to your stuff. I got referred to you by a friend of mine. And so like, over the last two weeks, I've been just going to all the music that you have on Apple, all the stuff you have on Bandcamp, even the beat. I, I think it's the the beat tape that you did. I listened that entire ta- entire thing through while I'm playing 2K. And I was like, nice. this is the jam. It's perfect for it. I oh, think I was man, playing Brooklyn. You. And I was like, hey, this is there a- you go. Who won, though? Uh, they won. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah I suck yeah, at 2K so that's bad. That's perfect. But, you know, Kevin Durant got about 28. I don't know who the guy was. He wasn't mic'd up, but they beat me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he was from New York, though, because he had uh, NYC in his name. So I think he might have been from New York. But I was like, why not? So I asked people. I conversate. And I'm like, hey, I'm a genuine fan. I, You know, if you're interested, I'd love to talk to you. And people are like, yeah, why not? Like, I, Let's do it. And I'm like, surprised. So I was, it showed me that I was really in my head for most of it, where I'm like, mm-hmm. people aren't so hesitant to conversate or hesitant to collaborate. And I think if I was in their shoes and somebody that, you know, that was either doing a podcast radio show, um, an intern or an aspiring artist came approached me and said, Hey, you know, I'd like to work with you. I, I don't think I would be that hesitant. I, I think that a lot of us get in our head that like, cause we put these people on such pedestals cause they're legends of our childhood and like what got us into music, like Raekwon. Like I can only imagine you listened to Wu-Tang growing up in New York. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, so I'm not originally from New York, but, um, Oh, nice. Where are you yeah, from? I've only been here like, uh, maybe 11 years, 12 years, something like that. Oh, you're a New um, Yorker now, man. But you still, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, New York music and hip hop and like, you know, Wu-Tang. Where were you originally from, if you don't mind me asking? Um, you know, my folks were military, so we don't I didn't have like a hometown. A lot of traveling going yeah, from place to place. Which I know it's like it's not it's a kind of an irritating answer, but um No, not like at we all. Moved from like so I was born in Texas. I don't I don't feel any like you know, tied to Texas, but it, Texas, Georgia, Maryland, Hawaii, um, North Carolina, um, Pennsylvania, Arizona, New York. So you know, this is the longest I've been anywhere. So if anything, I'll, you know, I'll claim New York, but. And a lot of that was like through your childhood. So you're like going from like school to school, place to place as a young kid. Um, Yeah, I guess, I guess so. It didn't feel too bad though. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I was the same way. I was born in Tulare, California, which is like three hours North of Los Angeles. And I, I, I think we moved to Portland Portland, Oregon, when I was three years old. So I'm a Portlandian. I grew up in Portland Mm -hmm. my entire life, even though, you know, and then we go back to California, visit family. My dad's side lives down there. And I never really felt that sense of home like everybody else did. My dad did. My my mom lived there when she met my dad. My brother and sister are seven and six years older than me. So they grew up there for like, you know, most of their young childhood. And 
they always felt like that was home. So like going back there, I, I don't really get that. And like, even now I've lived in Vancouver, Washington, which is about 10 minutes North of Portland. I moved up here um, for work and even being here for the last seven, well, 31 now. Yeah. About seven, six years. Um, still doesn't really feel like home. You know, I still go to Portland like five days a week. All my friends live there. Spend most of my time down there. Um, all the places I enjoy going are down there. Nothing gets Vancouver. Vancouver's a great place. It's just a lot more suburban, you mm-hmm. know, and like I'm I'm so used to like the quality of food, the culture, the music, the art, the just the people, you know. Yeah. And if you haven't noticed, I'm a huge Blazer fan. Yeah. And who's your favorite Blazer of all time? All time. I would say at the time, I would say Brandon Roy. That was very short-lived, though, you know, because of his injuries. But Brandon Roy and probably Clyde. That's what you say, Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide, but I was very young. I was like seven Uh or eight years old. So it's like at the, that was like the the time when he was like, you know, took the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals. I believe the finals. Uh, I was young and I, I paid attention to basketball, but I wasn't as much of a fan. Mm-hmm. So like my era was like eighth grade, freshman year in high school, Brandon Roy, Nicholas Patoon, Wesley Matthews, LaMarcus, that young core, like right when they started and every, like, you know, it was like how people are of a certain generation are super excited about Lillard and when he got drafted to the league. So, but I would say Brandon Roy, it's kind of, kind of depressing sometimes to think about what it could have been if he, you know, didn't di- like have the injuries that kind of ended his career. But, you know, we moved on and we're doing all right right now. So it's good. Man, you know what? I When I was a kid, I was really into basketball and NBA and just like everything, playing basketball, having the starting lineups and like all of it. And then at some point it just clicked and I just like didn't care at all. Yeah. You know, and then I was like, no, I'm only into like wrestling, you know, and, and then that at some point it clicked. And then I was like, no, I only like music now. And I've recently uh, got back into wrestling. Yeah. Like yeah, the there's old a, school stuff or like whatever's happening now. I'll watch YouTube videos of like old wrestling matches from like uh you know like the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh man, that was the best. And Undertaker era. That's when I was a kid. That was like uh, like right, right. I started watching slightly before The Rock arrived, but The uh, Rock was a big part of it too. You and, know what's wild though? That stuff is like if you watch it now, it's like this could never fly. You know, like do you remember the the Godfather? Uh-uh. Like the movie? No, the, the wrestler, the Godfather. Oh, I don't remember at the top of my head. His shtick was that he was a pimp, and like ah. when he would come out, he'd be like the hoe train, and like all these like women would come out. And it's like, ooh, it is kind of weird how wrestling oh, no. has become more progressive. Like, like those tropes yeah. kind of died off. Yeah, I think that's for the best. It but is. you know, as a kid, we're, I was just like, yeah. Cool. There was like there was that whole era was like Snoop Dogg when like he was like fashizzle my nizzle jizzle, you know, like that whole thing, and they were all pimps. Like yeah. Like that, I don't even think would really, like, I don't even think like modern hip hop, even like the, like, you know, like the younger kids even reference that. They talk about it in a different way. Like they get girls and money and all this stuff, but like not necessarily like like, they don't, they don't call them hoes anymore. Yeah. Which is for the best. I don't know why, man, I was just talking about this recently. It's like, why did so many, why were so many people just okay with being like, yeah, that's so pimp you know, and like pimp my ride and, yeah. you know, like, you know, be like, Hey, what's up, pimp? These that, days it'd be like, man, don't, don't call me that. That's nasty. I don't think anybody's like, they used to be very common. So I'm like, what's up, pimp? You know, like, right, right. I think at that time you had like, um, you had the, what 
the Friday movie next Friday definitely is like was very like mm-hmm. mainstream pimp. Like I think there was like two pimp characters in that. Mm-hmm. Like they popularized it dramatically. That's how Cat Williams got big off the. Yeah, pimp I was just thinking Cat Williams. Yeah, you know, and like, but then there were other like even real pimps were in those rap videos. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, there I don't was think- like famous guys that you would like know about and it'd be on TV and and it's, it's weird. So weird. At the time, I think I was like eleven. 12 years old and i thought snoop dogg was a real pimp you know mm-hmm. i was like this guy looks like a pimp he's got the like he's got the jerry curl the long oh, like yeah. like silk suit mm-hmm. <laughs> man he's so cool he's like still cool he is he's never changed yeah so like and you're like with the amount of people that you've worked with you've had to meet a variety of personalities like are you do you feel like you're ever presently surprised on like, do you have like impressions of people before you meet them? You're like, Oh, you think they're going to be a certain way. And then they end up being like slightly different or completely different. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I, I do know that like when I was either an engineer or an, an assistant engineer um, in the studio, a lot of times you don't get a lot of respect, you know, like that's the guy that, you know, pushes the buttons, plugs in the mic and like orders me dinner. You know, this is like pre uh, seamless. So we used to have like a stack of menus and, you know, get all the stuff and get the oh, food yeah. and bring. So like um, when somebody would come in and like make a point of like introducing them, like when Smoke Desert came in, um, he was like, what's up? I'm Smoke. <laughs> you know, good to meet you. Bye-bye. <laughs> like he, he didn't have to do that. Um, and like, like I said, it was like 10 years ago and uh, it is the smallest thing. But like, I have so much respect for him because I know like kind of how he views things, you know, like yeah. he didn't need to say that. Um, X Squire is like that too, where uh, he made a point to like say what's up to me. And so like when I was looking for people who I'd want to work with, I was like, man, that's somebody I'd want to work with. A, I like his music and B, like he's a good dude, you know, and, he, and we've done like, I don't know, seven songs together or something yeah. at this point. Like, I, I, I've so, listed those songs. Very good. Really enjoy it. I love them. Thanks, man. And we got another one too on the next uh on the next album do you have a release Uh, date for that or is it like yet to be determined yeah yet to be determined it's still like the production i'm i'm kind of wrapping up i'm still um trying to figure out who's like the right right pieces Um, oh yeah that takes that's the tricky thing yeah exactly because it's like you know it's their guest vocals so it's not like a band where i just like send it to the singer and then they do their thing so all of these things are like even if it's a homie like like soren you know where it's like Hey, do you want to get on this thing? She's like, yeah, I'm down. Um, but it has to fit her schedule. Yeah. Because it's not the main thing. So, so even homies like that, like, you know, you got to kind of work on their time. And then when you're reaching out to somebody who like you grew up listening to, you know, you definitely got to be on their time. Um, so it's hard to be like, here's the date it's coming out. It's like, you know, you're kind of waiting for things to fall into place a little bit. Yeah. And that, 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 that's got to be real. like for me, I feel like that's really nice because like you're kind of like, well, of course, you'd like things to be like you want to get it done as quick as possible, but you want it to be polished. You want it to like yeah, yeah. you don't want to rush it. Um, One thing I so like the last couple of weeks, I've been meeting a lot of bands through my friend Jonah. Shout out Jonah from Palomino Joyride. And we went to a show last Sunday. Uh, it was his birthday and he had this band uh called The Max. They're kind of like a punk rock band. And these kids, like, I've never seen so many young kids that are so good at, like, like the guitar. Just overall, these kids were rocking, like, classically trained rock stars. I'm in a bar in Portland, and these mm-hmm. kids are, like, blowing my mind. I'm like, how are they this good? 
And then I and then I started talking to them. Most polite, like very eccentric fellows. You can tell, like they're artists. You know, they express themselves in their own way, in their own creative way. And and one thing I've kind of learned after meeting different bands, and everybody's different, is that like the these people got to where they were because of doing things differently and doing things respectfully the right way. We're like, you know, some people can, can kind of, you know, there's the people out there who take advantage of that big egos and they do things their way. And you, and you know, you respect that because that's who they are. But there are some, like, I feel like most of the people who have made it big, like respect was a part of it. They treated people the right way. They, they had, they had a large, they got certain people on their records because they were respectful and they wanted to work with them again. Like, like, especially since you're you're working with these artists that you've done multiple songs with and they come back again. Like, that's a sign of respect towards you, you know? Like, they're, they're like, oh, we we like his work and we're going to keep working with him. And I, I've noticed that the most respectful people that or like, genuinely good people tend to have long-lasting careers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, like, all about... They say it's all about who you know, but it's it's also about what those people will say about you. You know, yeah. so if you know a bunch of people and they're like, yeah, that guy sucks, you know, then you don't get a call back. But um, yeah, I think a lot of it's just like, um, and, and in New York's like that too, I think where like a lot of people kind of get called in for things and maybe, maybe all music scenes are like that. I don't, you know, where um, like when we were playing in pool, we had this one um, session, we had just a small orchestra, like seven people, like nothing too crazy. Uh, and then somebody had to call out the day of, and then Kevin, the violinist, like he's got an insane Rolodex, but he's like, here's like 10 people I can hit up as like a replacement trumpet player in three hours, you know? Wow. So like a lot of things will just like pop up. And then like, if he thinks you're talented and you're cool, you know, then that's, who's going to get the call. And then now that's somebody that the rest of the band knows. And I think a lot of that stuff happens um, pretty organically. Like you said, like, as long as you're respectful and your chops are good. And Oh yeah. It's like, it's like, it seems like, being like having respect showing respect and then having genuine talent that people respect like it's kind of like a guarantee work like as long as you have that yeah. good reputation people are like this guy's cool but if you're if you're an asshole they're gonna be like you don't want to work with that guy and yeah there's a million other people that that could do it that and, and, and it, it's like just uplift people for opportunity because then it shows mm -hmm. these artists and shows these collaborators like Oh, I can't be a douche and make it in this business because it's just like it. It's a it. Music is a camaraderie, you know. Like, it's like you're bringing people you don't know together. Some people, you know, you know, like people have friends. They've known people for a long time that are in their bands, but like sometimes you're not. You don't know these people. You refer to them from somebody else, and then they can hop in and just blend in like that. And then now you can either develop a friendship, a partnership. Um, just like a future collaboration. And it's kind of like New York seems like it's like the perfect pressure cooker for that. It's like so much beautiful art has come from New York, whether it's like one thing I've noticed about New York too, is that LA seems to have a lot of like certain types of beautiful people, you know, a lot of beautiful women and they don't seem to wear a lot of clothes and they like, cause sunny weather, New York, everybody dresses so good in New York. <laughs> yeah it's like, intimidating man dude i know i've seen like, people okay i don't me, i don't know how to dress so it's like me neither you know. i put on like a black t-shirt and like i have a variety of jackets with black and uh -huh. white t-shirts 
Right, it, me too, man. It's just a black or like, I was just talking about this with my wife the other day. All my t-shirts either have a band, a cartoon, or like animals on them. Yeah. You know, so I'm like trying to elevate my wardrobe and be like, all right, maybe a little less t-shirts with, you know, band. Exactly, logos. dude. And then somebody told me, they're like, you wear a lot of black t-shirts. Do you ever think you come off as intimidating? I'm like, do I? Because I never really thought like wearing black t-shirts would make me feel intimidating. They're like, well, black is an intimidating color. Mm. If people see you with a black T-shirt, they don't really know. You don't come off as friendly. Where if you wore a yellow T-shirt, uh, white T-shirt, blue T-shirt, that it comes off, you come off more uh, presentable and more approachable. Mm. And I'm like, I never really put that much thought into like my clothes. Like I, I wear what I like. Like what you said, I have shirts that have cartoons on them, bands, uh, Primarily, mostly bands, because I'll get a T-shirt from whatever band I want. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm here to support you. I want to support you, you know, and support the locals. And, but I never put that much thought into my clothes. I'm like, well, and now I'm bald because I used to have a lot of hair, but 30 kind of ruined that for me and my hair is slowly going. So I wear a lot of hats and beanies. Well, the hat looks good on you. Thank you, man. Actually, I just did a uh, shout out to Back to the Basket. There's a local... um shop important that sells like kind of vintage sneakers clothing um a lot of blazer gear um and are kind of supported by the like the blazers in the local community and i did a promo for them recently and when i got there i got this hat like during the promo it's like a let's see it's got like the blazers on the front of it oh nice yeah i think god i think it's from the 70s the the tags ripped off of it but it's an older style i don't think it's from the 70s seems like the 90s but yeah, it's same. a stretchable hat, so I don't. It doesn't take a lot of effort to put it on. Just put it on, and it fits perfectly. There you go. But no, I, I get that, man. I don't know. It's just like New York is seems like one of these places. The older I get, I have more respect for. And it like the artists seem to like been just popping out of there like crazy, and everybody is so supportive. Um, the creative scene is amazing. I mean, I, it's like I like that's what I love about Portland. Is that Portland's always kind of had this reputation to the outside world of like, you know, full of homeless people, overly progressive. There's a lot of these stigmas. And when I started this podcast, I kind of wanted to break those stigmas and show people like there's a lot of beauty and substance to the city that I feel like needs to be explored more. And a lot of people, and you know, it's, it's deep down in there. So it's not, it's not necessarily easy to find if you're just cruising through the city with, Mm -hmm. and, um, you're not looking for it. But if you just keep your eyes open and keep your mind open, it just kind of appears. You got record stores that are like not playing the most popular records. They got local, they're supporting local bands, selling strictly local bands, records, clothing, food. Portland now has like the most, I guess, I guess they're the most, um, they're voted best street food and food in the country. And I'm like, that's never happened before. And like, they're on Netflix shows now. Like, uh, have you heard of that show? Uh, Somebody feed Phil. It's on like Netflix, I think. Sounds familiar. I I don't watch a ton of TV, but it's I, it sounds familiar. They did a whole thing on Portland, and it's it was for the first time being somebody from the city. You're seeing these people who you know put their life savings into something to just that's whether or not it's just a dinner nighttime chicken waffle sandwich place like portland's got so much obscure food like there's food carts that sell just egg sandwiches there's waffle Mm -hmm. sandwiches there's um fried chicken sandwiches um pad thai vietnamese ethiopian nigerian hawaiian like we've got so many cultures here that and they're just like and the community shows up to support them 
And I was like, well, I don't know. I can't do anything upright to just give them all my money and financially support them. How do I do something that I feel is good without expecting anything in return besides maybe a good conversation? And at the end of it, I learned something. And this podcast has provided that. Like, it's been great. And like the people I've gotten to talk to, uh, the things that's exposed me to, I feel like I feel like I found something just kind of like how maybe you felt when you found your music of like, Oh, I have an expression. Now I have something I can talk through and express. Like, like, do you ever feel like your music to you is like, has become therapeutic or always had that effect? Like Mm. what is, what was like your initial draw and inspiration to do music? Yeah, man. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think I, I think I always liked music and then whatever I was into, I, I wanted to like do it myself. You know, like, like I was saying, when I was into the NBA, like I wanted to play basketball all day, Yeah. you know, or when I was into wrestling, I'd be like wrestling with my buddies, like, you know, that we'd throw each other around the basement. So I think like when I was really getting into music, I wanted to do my own, you know, version of it. Um, yeah. It is tricky because it's like a lot of my stuff is instrumental or sample based. Um, So to a certain extent, I think I can get ideas and emotions out. And and I tried that with one of my um, albums. It's called Moonlit. Um, Mm -hmm. Where like there were some ideas I was trying to get out and I don't know that they came across or not because there's, you know, there's no lyrics. Um, Other times it's just like a vibe, you know? And the other thing too is like, I'll be on the wrong schedule, like in the winter just like feeling very gloomy, you know? Yeah. Gloomy. So like I'll, I'll make a bunch of stuff. And then by the time it's done, it's like summertime. So it's like, well, I can't drop this now. You know what I mean? So I never like, thought about that, but yeah. Like, cause if you're making something, it's based on like your kind of atmospheric mood. You know, if you're like, you're in a studio looking outside and it's cloudy, <clears throat> it's rain, rainy, you got a certain mm-hmm. type of lighting. It's going to inspire you to kind of create a certain tempo or kind of sound, you know? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, you know, and ideally you're making stuff that's, that's timeless and it's not like a seasonal sound, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to, and I always like want to make a Halloween album. That's the thing I've been talking about for a couple of years. And so, but I don't think about it until like October 1st. Dude, you like, totally well, should. This is because too late. You know? Por- so. Portland, have you, have you, do you remember that movie Halloween town that used to be on the Disney channel back in the day when we were kids? No, I don't remember. It sounds so, familiar like, though. There's this town that's uh, about, 20, 30 minutes west of Portland called St. Helens. And they filmed this entire movie called Halloween Town in the city of St. Helens. So the city of St. Helens became Halloween Town. Like if you go there during Halloween, they just present it as it was on that movie, right? So what that did in Portland is create like a huge Halloween culture. So like everywhere during between like, I would say mid-September to even sometimes early November after Halloween, that it's all themed. You hear music, like everybody's rock. People are performing songs that aren't Halloween songs, but kind of have that tone Mm -hmm. because it's so embedded in the culture. And I think you totally should. Like, there's a thing for it. There's really a kind of fan base for that. Definitely. Like, back to like what you were saying about how you feel like you have, like about the sampling and like how that's, even though you're sampling other people's music, that that's, you can't express yourself. I feel like that's, like think of like uh artists back in the 60s and 70s like i'm i've just started to learn how to play instruments i'm not like an estate i don't claim to be a musician but the one 
in my mind, it doesn't feel like it's any different than like, you know, let's say a Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, um, artist, you know, from the 70s, 60s, 50s that was drawing inspiration from earlier music, whether it was like mm-hmm. uh, blues or jazz uh, that they heard from their grandparents or ancestors. And it's just a dis- different format of getting that. Like you can hear a sample and, you know, mix that in, take a little bit out, maybe, you know, a guitar, a saxophone, a bass guitar, a chorus, something, but you're still drawing inspiration from it. And then you can mold that into your own, your own personality and inspiration is going to go into that setup. And I feel like it's just a different format of doing the same thing. Um, I think because there's like, you know, somebody's presented it on a mainstream platform before like it's a popular song people recognize it doesn't take away from it it's just very upfront about what you enjoy and what mm-hmm. what type of music you like and i want to i want to discredit yourself at all for any of that mm-hmm. like sampling i just talked to this guy um from salem massachusetts His name is tortilla couture he's a very eccentric fellow shout out tortilla um like his whole instagram is dedicated to like drum beats uh, different packages to mix stuff together. And he kind of had the sim- this like similar approach. He's like, you know, all I do is sample. Like, and I'm like, that's not all you do. That's what you like. Like, mm-hmm. it's the type of music you enjoy. Of course it's going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and I also like play guitar and some keys and stuff. But if I was strictly making music based on my own skill of, as a guitarist, like it would not be very good. Like, it's not the kind of thing I would want to listen to, oh. you know. But I think if I can take like from some, you know, super talented person and, and recontextualize it. You know, I, I know there's like value in it, um, but it, it is different. It feels like there's a little asterisk, but at the same time, it's like my favorite stuff to listen to is a lot, like a lot of it is sample based. So it's not to knock it, you know, like Dilla is one exactly. of my favorite, um, Flying Lotus and Bonobo and, you know, people like that. You know, I went to a Flying Lotus show about five years ago. Uh, that was at the Rosen Theater in Portland before I even knew who he was. I just got invited by a friend. I I, I wasn't too familiar with his music. I kind of knew about I like I I, was, I listened to a couple Thundercat uh, songs before, and then I knew they had like an affiliation, like they've worked with each other mm-hmm. before. And then, and then went to that show. Oh my god! Like Flying Lotus and his visuals with his music, mm-hmm. and like just the tone and the breaking of the beats. Like I, I couldn't really put a like like a hand on it and kind of like pinpoint it to seem like, like you could tell there's sampling in there, but also he mm-hmm. did it in a way that's strictly him, you know, like right. that's his oh, stamp sure. on it. Definitely. And I don't know. I've always felt like, like with sampling, it's kind of like, do you ever catch yourself? Like just cause these are songs that you've listened to before that you enjoy. Like, I feel like that has gotta be so enjoyable when you're, you're taking all these different parts of music that you love putting them together. It's like the ultimate homage to something like, you know, it's kind of gets the ultimate respect. It's like, you're building up a tribute of mixing different like vibes, environments, cultures, like into one thing. And it's all you, nobody else can make, they could take samples from the songs, but they're not going to make what you specifically make. That's going to be you. That's going to be like your interest and expression through the experience you had with those individuals music. You know, it's kind of like your dance and, and, um, like that's, I feel like equally as hard. Of course, it's not like there are people that are classically trained in a guitar, but they don't know how to sample. 
or there's people that know how to um, play the drums, but they have a hard time playing the violin. It like doesn't mean they can't enjoy it or they can't make mm-hmm. add that in with their own creative art and make something great of it. But I don't know. I, I honestly, I feel like anybody who's sampling, you're doing great. You're, it sounds amazing. I don't, I, I personally don't ever think of that. I, I, I mean, like I'm not the one making it, but as I'm listening to it, I'm aware of the samples, but I'm just aware of the art itself and be like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is, this is Jacuzzi Jefferson's stamp on this is he brought this in here. <laughs> like I was just like, like recapping to the, the, I think it was a poolside DJ set of on, on your band camp that had that mix that had uh hot in here at net with Nelly at the beginning, but the beat fit with it, but it's not anything I'd ever expect to be in a Nelly song, but it fit. Like, it was just like, that was like the vibe. It was like, you just nailed it by putting that song in with that mix and then following it up with Usher. Like it was brilliant. I appreciate it, man. And you know, we used to like, I mean, so pool hasn't like been playing as much um, recently, but you know, we would do that live where I would be doing the, the DJ mashup sets and then Kevin's like, absolutely shredding the violin mm-hmm. and then of course playing live drums and uh yeah and we used to like grab all kinds of visuals and stuff to project and those those are a lot of fun dude i love visuals like i i the first couple concerts i went to didn't have any and then i went to a lot of local shows and they'd have a projector with their computer and the, they just have it all black and white with whatever images representing what songs they're playing or what they're trying to present as and it's like Watching that gets you so locked into like it gives. I felt for me, it felt like it was giving me access to a little bit of the band's mind, creative mind of yeah, like yeah, sure. this is the images that are going through their head as they're recording this. Like it's like their inner thoughts as they're playing their music, and it's. Mm-hmm. I feel like visuals help dramatically. I mean, Pink Floyd's been doing visuals with their show forever, and it seems to be working for them. But like the yeah. visual thing is something I've just recently learned to appreciate, and I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, especially if it's you know instrumental stuff or something like that where there's not Mm -hmm. necessarily like a person to watch while they're singing you know it's just like somebody twisting knobs and pressing buttons it's like uh i've definitely been to some shows like that that were cool but um you know when there's something visual like the flying lotus stuff did you see Mm -hmm. the one where he had like two screens like one in front of him and one behind yeah and it was like trippy right it's like it was trippy and i didn't know what was going on i had to ask my friend that was with me i was like those those are two screens right because like it's like looking like an orb was like encircling him and i'm like how are they doing this like i've never seen it i've gone to laser shows at Uh, like uh, planetariums and never seen anything this intricate yeah that would be a cool place to dj that would be. Yeah. You actually have like you should do that. <laughs> you yeah. have a song of that title with Planetarium yeah. in it. That's awesome. You know what? That title was supposed to be. I just thought this would sound cool, but the title was going to be Jazz Cabbage at the Planetarium. Jazz um, Cabbage. That's so awesome. Yeah, but then it's like, well, I'm not like endorsing. You know, I mean, do what you do, but like, yeah, I would, I would feel like a poser if I if I had named it that. So, but I thought that title sounds a lot cooler. You you should definitely trademark it somehow. Like, <laughs> yeah, just in it's, case. it's been said on the podcast that you came up with jazz cabbage. Right, like right. that is so awesome, dude. But like, I mean, I, I it makes sense. Like that would be such a cool experience. Like I'm sure, like people, you know, they have like the. Um, there's a place over here in Portland called Omzi that you can go watch. Like they'll do like um, "Brick on the Wall" by Pink Floyd, and they'll do a laser show. 
while they play the music and it kind of takes you through like whatever experience, whether you're traveling through space, like a like kind of like a, a Tron experience, you know, like you're mm-hmm. inside the computer and everything's so digital. Like I've always imagined I'd go into a Daft Punk show would be like that, just like this visual experience of the future. But yeah, um, yeah. Do, do you remember the first concert you went to? Yeah, the first concert I went to um, when I was living in Hawaii was uh, No Doubt. No Doubt? Yeah. That's cool. How was it? I was cool. It was super cool. And it was like, um, yeah, I was a kid and like my whole family went. So my folks went and my sister and we all we all sat and watched No Doubt. They were good, man. I, I really liked No Doubt. I've never seen them live. I've watched their live performances like on television and they're just mm-hmm. like, it makes sense why they became like how they got so big. They were like Gwen mm-hmm. Stefani and all that. They were just so good live. Like yeah, yeah. one thing I noticed like in the late nineties, early two thousands is that you had like this rise of like California rock, you know, like how like all these bands from LA that were kind of mm-hmm. like the red hot chili peppers, no oh, doubt. Yeah. Like it, they were so good. Like, and they, it was, I like, saw the so- chili peppers too. Did you ever get the chance to see them? I have a, I've actually, I think they're going on tour because they came out with a new album. So I, I'm mm-hmm. hoping in the next year or so to get a chance to go see them. Man, those guys are, they, they're still like just as sharp. Dude, and they look youthful. Like Anthony They're Kiedis. so shredded. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are, what are you eating, dude? Like, yeah. how, like Flea, he's, you know, he, he's got, he, he did a lot of drugs at some point. So like, he uh-huh. looks, he looks like, he looks like somebody who's like recovered from it, you know, like. And Anthony Kiedis seems to do the same or did, but the guy's got better skin than I do. And he's like in his early sixties, late fifties. It's wild. I don't understand it. Like, like these legends like Bob Dylan and Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't look bad for like 80 years old. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what like music does. It has that effect on you and keeps you youthful. Like, like if you do what you love, and, you know, of course it's work. There's a work aspect to most of everything. But, like, I feel like that, could, that music has saved lives. Like, imagine, like, you just have a bad day. I'm sure, like, you ever had, like, an experience where you're like, oh, today's not the greatest day, but I got a show tonight. Then you go do your show. And then you probably leave that show feeling better than when you got there. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Shows are shows are weird because, like, What I goes through your it. mind, like, when you go to a show, like, what are the first like initial feelings you get when you go to like have At my show? own show or going to yeah. uh, your own show? Um, I think that my favorite part is like the flyer and sound check and chilling All the backstage. Prep. Yeah. The stuff where it's like, Ooh, I'm doing something cool. You know, you just like, I'm hanging out with my friends, like the venue's not open yet. And like that kind of stuff. And then it's like, okay, well now you got to go out there and like, and I'm not like doing anything crazy, right? I'm just like, like I said, pressing buttons and stuff. But I still, um, like, I don't love talking to like a big group of people. You know, there's still something about it where it's like I'd rather just look down and like press my thing. So, See, and that's, that's the like, admirable thing of artists, man. Fun. I've noticed with artists, I've you're I've you're probably the third one I've interviewed that says that they prefer not like to perform in large, like they like performing, but they don't like. Like in my mind, I think of like that feeling, like you in front of like a huge crowd, and like just like oh my god, I've been so amped up, I'm gonna destroy this, this, all this. But then a lot of artists, like like even Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan had like a mm-hmm. phobia, like he was terrified before each show, but he performed countlessly. Yeah, like yeah. 
once I started like paying attention to that, you realize that artists really, they do it for the sake of the music, but it's very personal. It's very personal for most artists. And which would make it very hard, it seems like, to perform in front of a larger pe- a large amount of people because it's very it's a very vulnerable state. And I feel like a lot of artists are like even comedians, you know, actors, I feel like are semi the most narcissistic because they <laughs> crave the attention. But like, like to be a comedian or a musician or artist, to go out, put yourself out there is a very hard thing to do. And it, op- it opens yourself up to criticism to be vulnerable. I can only imagine what that feeling is like. When people who've like paid to come see you, you're like, oh my god, this they're here for me because they are there for you. Like that, that's yeah. got to be a rewarding feeling, man. But some people like like my buddy Rachi, um, is like he's just a natural rock star, you know. And so like he's played with Pool a bunch of times. He's he's come out when I've done things. Um, he just like is so good at it, you know, and knows like how to move and how to look and what to say and like the energy. And so one thing I feel like I've done is is maybe bring some people like that into my world for for live shows. And you got to, uh, man, it's contagious yeah. energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Some it's of that like rubs off on us. Yeah. And so, you know, we play a show and it'll be just like a bunch of my friends, Caroline and, and Denisha and Sharif and like all these people who like, uh, I mean, you know, got other friends tiger and val shout out everybody like all these people who would come on stage and just like sing with us because otherwise it's just you know instrumental or samples or something so i think there's there's something cool about it and you know sometimes i'm the scenario i'm doing is more dj um where you don't have to say anything you know you just like playing records in the back you're um, like a moderator composer like you're presenting the artists that are either on your tracks or are performing with you like that's such a like an amazing position to be in like just to be able to sit back and witness. of course you're locked in doing your thing but to like to compose and witness these people that are expressing themselves in the most original authentic way like i like i, I you know just being there for a live performance of watching somebody express themselves in their most authentic way is like inspiring and it's like encourages like me to just try to be the best version or authentic version of myself and not necessarily care what other people's opinions are of me. And that took a long time. Like I was so afraid to talk publicly or to express feelings to people I didn't know because I was afraid of criticisms or like how, or what feedback I would get. Like, because then it would make me have to recognize things about myself. But then talking to people and like meeting people who um, are very good at what they do and give me advice or or just called me out straight up on my behavior where they're like, I'll be, I went to a show, uh, my friend Jonah's and me, like I randomly met him because I wanted to go on a date night with my wife. And I looked up this uh, lounge in Portland called the Doug Fur Lounge and he was performing there. And I was like, okay. So I bought some tickets. I was like, he looked cool. Like I listened to one of his songs. He only had one song on apple and i was like i really liked it so i bought tickets and then i was like you know what i'm gonna see if he'd like to come on the show he lives in portland i can go to him and see, see, what, see what he says and he writes me back and he's like yeah i'd love to do it man and i was like and then i was just writing about like hey man i really enjoyed that song like it seemed really personal i don't know what you're drawing from this but this is kind of the vibe i got from it and he's like cool he's like well when you get here ask say that jonah said you can come back here me and him went back there and we talked and i got to get to know him and his sister and his sister's boyfriend at, uh, at the time a little bit. And I was really nervous. And he's like, why are you nervous? I'm like, 
well, because I've never been in this position before. I have no idea how to act. <laughs> like, I'm so socially mm-hmm. awkward. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm like, I never expect, I was going to come to your show, and now I'm sitting back here talking to you. I didn't expect any of this to happen. And it just kind of happened. And he's like, you don't need to be nervous, dude. He's like, we're just talking. You know, we're just mm-hmm. people in a room talking. And I was like, I know, but, you know, like, this is like a different, this is not like we randomly met at a coffee shop. You're like, I was, I I was listening to like some of your music and I kind of thought of you as like this unapproachable figure, I guess, just because you're a musician that I couldn't talk to. And he's like, no, I'm just a regular person. That helped me get over my fear of talking on the spot was kind of like, oh, he's right. Why do I, I'm overthinking everything. And if I just let things ride and try my best, you can't really, at the end, you can be like, I tried my best. Like, I don't, there's this guy, this doctor that was on Rogan and he said, there's called perception, something perception error. And he was saying that, like, basically how the dopamine operates in your brain, right? So, like, if you expect something, if you're doing something, you expect a reward and you get it, your dopamine goes up quite a bit. If you expect a reward and you don't get it, it drops. But if you do something and don't expect the reward and then get it, it actually, your, like, your dopamine levels triple. So hmm. it's actually a more operational, functional way to live by not expecting anything because you'll always be surprised and it will always make you feel good. And I was like, yeah. let's try that. <laughs> Don't expect anything. I always told myself, try not to expect, expect anything from people and just try to be in the moment with them and learn from them and talk to them and get to know their experience. And it's been very rewarding. Like, even this whole conversation with you has been extremely rewarding. Like, I felt like you've already expressed to me a lot of your emotion, your influences, hopes and dreams, the, uh, art that you have expressed or want to express in the future, the people you've worked with. Because these people that you've worked with share the same dream that you have. They're just trying to express themselves and get their stuff out there. And that's very admi- admirable and very honorable. And I think that artists need to give themselves more credit and not feel bad about it. So feel good about yourself, <laughs> sir. And keep doing what you're doing and love it. And don't ever second guess it. Don't second guess like what you're doing. Just do it and, you know, do it the best of your ability. And at the end of it, be like, I, I did a good job. I tried. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's good. Advice. All right, I felt like that was a very odd ramble, but I, I, <laughs> it kept going. Um, but hey, man, I really appreciate you doing the show and coming and speaking with me and taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Um, is there anything you'd like to promote? Any upcoming shows? Any events? Um, you know, I got a handful of singles coming out. Um, that's part of the like chill beats game is just keep dropping, you know, singles. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Just finishing up this album next year. Hopefully, it's gonna be. Uh, good <laughs> it would be i don't know yeah it's like uh hopefully doing something next year that you know didn't happen this year like trying to just level up each time oh yeah um so in terms of goals just yeah just keep on keep on doing that awesome and you guys i believe you got a website so they can come and check out your music either on jacuzzijefferson.com or Bandcamp. Yeah. where do you prefer uh i do my buddy way like like made my 
my site a lot better. I almost just said he pimped it out. Maybe because we were talking about it. You know? <laughs> it's funny that you said that. I was thinking, I was like, you pimped. I was like, I was, yeah. as soon as you said it, I knew you were going to say that. I was like, that was kind of I, the I perfect think, moment. I think just because we had talked about it. That's not <laughs> um, Yeah, he just made it nice, but like, I still got to update it. So uh, Bandcamp, I mean, Instagram is is like, like, I'm not on a ton of social media, but like Instagram is something I check every day, you know, so Same. it's like the easiest way to like stay in touch with people and it is definitely um, the easiest way i feel like facebook just needs to go away yeah like facebook just facebook takes up data anymore. on my phone yeah i don't i don't know like i i logged in just because i got an email that my like password had been hacked or something like that it was like i deactivated facebook like years ago so i just like logged in to change the password uh but Isn't that funny? what if that was like facebook's way of getting you back they're right? like he hasn't yeah. logged in for a while let's send him a fake email Man, that's not a bad idea I mean, I would do it if I was Facebook just to see what you But I was do. just like, I was looking around. I was just like, this is weird. You know, like, why would I, you know, like, like had, I had Facebook probably in like 2005, six, something like yeah. that. Like, I don't want anything from that time, like still attached to my like day to day. It's just this weird, like lingering, like. I always think I it seems like Instagram. It's like imagine like two platforms, like as like Pokemon. One Pokemon mm-hmm. evolved into a better Pokemon. One like to the next level. One stayed the same, right? But certain types of people like that original uh-huh. version. Instagram just is a more optimized, more useful version of Facebook. They're owned by the same company, so they're just yeah, two yeah, versions true. for specific types of people. I feel like my grandma and my aunts that don't want to go on Instagram and deal with the complexities and the kind of bombardment of information because there's so much you can get. You can find anything, you know, you want to, mm-hmm. you want to watch some pottery videos of somebody making some, like, Oh yeah, I do. Like you can do that. There's millions of people saying you can go on TikTok, yeah. do all that. Facebook is like, no, I just want to message people that I can see immediately on the first mm-hmm. 10 scrolls of my page. And so it makes sense for some people because they just, it's like people who want to keep their Google pixel phone instead of like from like 2012 and not uh, just getting a modern phone. They just don't want it. <laughs> yeah. But dude, thank you so much guys. Check out his website, jacuzzijefferson.com. Follow him on Instagram. Look at his beats. Look at his EPs. Bandcamp. Got some cool stuff. Apple, Spotify, wherever you can get your music. It's, he's on there. You guys will not be disappointed. Great features, great music, great man, great vibes. Uh, jacuzzi is okay. Do you, what? What's your first name, if you don't mind me asking? I've been calling you Jacuzzi all day. Yeah, Jacuzzi's cool. I mean, it's like I, there's a lot of people that I've met through music, so they just like know me as Jacuzzi, so they say that. Um, it's so It's so fun to say. Yeah, but you know, it's like because it's Jacuzzi Jefferson, I think sometimes people are like, think my name's jeff so i, I actually have like some people who call me jeff too so it's like all right that's fine i thought jefferson you know, might have like, been your last name but like i was uh, like oh, jacuzzi that's just a creative name jesus some people are so thanks. much better coming up with names my podcast it's, called it's the wild silly, weird you know, you know? hey like, wild weird great. is good and thank you have you. the alliteration you know so thank you thank you and i feel like you know i mean growing up in portland there's some pretty wild shit going on in this weird town all the time and it's it's a fun place and i felt like how to how do I embody that? Body that. It's really hard to abbreviate because there are a lot of like organizations out there with TWW that trademarked it already. So mm-hmm. I kind of got to keep it the wild weird. I can't even go TWW with it. But you know. Yeah, I dig it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you coming and talking to me, taking the time out of your day. It was a pleasure. 
And dude, keep going with your stuff. I look forward to your next project. That sounds amazing. And you guys, if you're into just original foundational New York hip hop with New York <laughs> artists and pure creative expression, listen to Jacuzzi Jefferson's music. You will not be disappointed, sir. Thank you so much. And guys, follow the wild weird on YouTube. Follow us on the Instagram. If you guys have any questions or suggestions um, for the pod, you can write us at the wild weirdness at gmail.com. Jacuzzi. It's a pleasure, my friend. I hope we can talk again soon. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.